Welcome, welcome once again to you all to the confines, nay, comfort of our respective houses. You join me in my spare room, which is also a recording studio and sim room and various other tasks I couldn't possibly list for the purposes of podcasts. And joining me virtually is the fabulous Scotty Newman, associate editor of Motor Magazine. From what room are you in there, Scott? Uh, I'm also sort of in our, I'm kind of in our second bedroom slash spare room it's sort of been appropriated into an office slash guitar room slash dog sleeping area slash yeah everything if uh if no one's if you haven't had the delight of hearing uh scott's fabulous finger work and i'm of course talking about his guitar skills nothing else um then you definitely should uh he's very good he's one of those annoying people that's (laughs) multi-talented speaking of multi-talented and the Enright Deputy Editor of Wheels Magazine also joins us from what appears to be his sketching room. Yeah, this is this is um, the living room table, um, dining room table. Um, and I, I, I probably contend with multi-talented. I, I struggle with uni-talented. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yep, this is a... Uh, my computer is, is spilling over onto, onto where I eat, uh, much to the horror of my partner. And uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just wires and mice and... Ca- Chargers and everything You've got going on. Problem of you. It's all that food you leave all over the place. Clear <laughs> yeah. out the rats and mice will go as well. Excellent, well, that's, that's a testament. Yeah, there's plenty of those out of me, mate. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Um, this is obviously a testament to the challenging times that we live in, um, but we're getting by. Uh, one of the things that we haven't done for quite a while um, is go on any kind of launch, a new car launch, which for a, a regular well for many motor journalists is kind of a staple it's what we do so we thought it was probably a great time to talk about launches how much we miss them and go back over some of the most notable ones uh, throughout our combined and respective careers the car launch i think probably a good place to start is it just explaining to someone who has never been on a car launch exactly what it entails so i'll try and sort of deal with it as simplistically as possible Basically, you are invited to the launch of a new vehicle by its brand, um, and you will be uh, invited to a location of which um, you'll turn up at, um, you'll meet all the various PRs, you'll meet a lot of your um, friends and colleagues from other publications. Some people call them rivals, but obviously, you know, it's a, it's a very nice, close industry, and a lot of the time, fortunately, they can double as friends. Um, and then we'll sit down to have a nice dinner, and then we'll get all blind drunk. Then we'll get put up in a very posh hotel, um, which we could never afford on a normal journalist wage. And the next day we will battle a hangover to get in an example of the new car and drive it a very irresponsible speed for about 400 kilometers. At the end of which you're all loaded back on an airplane and you're expected to write exactly what you think of the car based on that contact and first meeting. Can I just mention that <laughs> your experience may vary? Uh, particularly, uh, <laughs> and that's exactly the, uh, what this—that's exactly what this chat is all about—is talking about the various experiences, and you know they—they they range um, from from the very memorable to the frankly forgettable. You don't um, always have to oh, attack yeah. the bar with the same vigor that you attack the apexes. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah, the, uh, the the great Peter Robinson always reminded us to. Uh, stay one drink behind the, uh, the person that you're interviewing and you should be okay. It's very good advice. I've yeah. got some very good stories out of people using exactly that technique. <laughs> so we thought a really good place to go with this is just talk about, um, a good place to start is perhaps some of the launches that have happened over the decades um, that we didn't get to go on and the ones we really wish we could go back in time. It might have been from a long time ago, it could have been a relatively recent one that we didn't quite make. Um, the ones that we didn't make. Gentlemen, who wants to kick this off? Andy. Scotty, you had, you, I think you had quite a, quite a doozy lined up. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, part of the reason I sort of prompted this question was I actually was going through and I found an image from the Porsche Carrera GT Australian launch, um, which is kind of weird that they had an Australian launch because it was left-hand drive only and couldn't be sold in Australia or couldn't be driven in Australia. <laughs> That um, sounds like someone was up to a jolly there. Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember reading this as a teenager and thinking, and that's it's sort of my car. Like we've all got a car that we'd love. You know, when the, the lotto numbers came up, 
the first one you'd buy. I mean, Andy's got his M1. That might not be the one, but you know, he loves that M1. I've got the Carrera GT. That's my sort of thing. So that's an obvious one. But if I remember rightly, they had, um, they did have a, obviously an example of a Carrera GT, but if that wasn't enough, I think you got to warm up in a 996 GT3 RS, which was pretty new at the time, <laughs> 2004. Um, they had a race driver on hand, Alex Davis, I believe it was, to you know, show you the finer points of this million dollar, uh, million dollar supercar, uh, V10, all that sort of business. Uh, yeah, and this just would have been a fantastic one because any day you're at Phillip Island is an amazing day. I've been lucky to go on some launches there and uh, even some Porsche launches there. So great track, amazing car. Being Porsche, you've probably got plenty of laps. Um, yeah, it would have been a great one. That's my opening, my opening bid, I guess it is. That's that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Mine, I suppose, would be similar in terms of its location. I think um, Audi RS six, uh, the the Australian launch. Um, this was. It's a car that I love enormously. Any any car person who tells you they are a car person and they don't like hot wagons is lying either about the wagon bit or the car enthusiast bit um the rs6 is one of my absolute favorite cars uh, for all the reasons you can read about on whichcar.com.au um but the perhaps the highlight of this was its location it was um yeah northern territory on unlimited roads and during the course of this launch all i remember was seeing a stream of social media coming out of a you know previously very um remote and unoccupied part of Australia and just shots of speedos snapping their bump stop needles off at the top end. It was just, you imagine being given that car on these arrow straight roads out in the middle of nowhere and no one who's going to tell you to not go too fast. What an absolute cracker of a launch that must be. You'd want to hope it was with the, um, what is it? The RS dynamic pack or whatever it is with 300 K now. Otherwise you'd be limited to 250 and you just wouldn't get anywhere. You'd be overtaken by semi trailers. Yeah, so when some, the inevitable wildlife runs out in front of you, you've got nothing to start yes, with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What about you, Andy? You've, yeah. I mean, you've probably been on more launches than most of us. So what's, what's one you didn't get to? One I didn't get to that I really would have liked to have gone on to. It was um, 2005. So it would have been the seventh generation Toyota Hilux. And I'll admit that doesn't sound like the most exciting thing. But um, they threw the launch in South Africa. And everything went wrong. It was just the most <laughs> amazing cluster. Um, one of the journalists managed to run one of the other ones over. Um, and they, they went to this remote um, safari lodge in the middle of nowhere. And then all of the uh, arrangements for getting these vehicles back to uh, Johannesburg, I think it was, all fell to pieces. So there was this last minute uh, arrangement by a sort of very heroic uh, British PR man for Toyota who was chartering light aircraft on the fly from wherever he could get hold of them. And they were like leapfrogging these light aircraft back towards Johannesburg bit by bit. So they got to see like, all of South Africa on this disastrous press launch. Um, and it sounded really good. As I, 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 as long as you weren't the guy who... Uh, managed to get run over. Um, I think that would have been a great one to go on. because I, I, like, I like that Bear grill stuff, you know, drinking his own urine, you know. <laughs> you don't have to go on a lawn to do that, Andy. You can just do that in the comfort of your own home. <laughs> I just imagine the, uh, the, there's a certain, always a certain segment of the motoring journalist fraternity that likes their airs and graces. And I just imagine uh, that, yeah, that, that contingent when, uh, when it became clear that they wouldn't be chauffeured on a bed of pillows back to uh, Johannesburg, there would be some hardship involved. Don't you know who yeah. I am? Uh, um, <laughs> the man here horrible. doesn't know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, on, a, on a similar theme, a very recent contender that should have been on Witchcar TV on the weekend, but wasn't for reasons we won't go into, um, but you'll be able to see the film soon, hopefully, is uh, the latest Defender launch looked amazing in Namibia. Um, so they flew a whole bunch of journeys out to the middle of Africa and then they had, I think, I think three days of adventure and sort of camping and roughing it really and various uh, off-road terrain and had some big, like, big downpours and floods and uh, I, I implore you to go and look at some of the films from that because some of the footage is just amazing, the sights that were seen. Uh, car's pretty cool too, obviously. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, I'll, the latest defender, uh, Matt, Matty Rodonikus, went on that for which car? But uh, wouldn't have the other one, which sounds, sounds almost as good, perhaps even better, in a very similar way, Scotty, was the um, the recent. Um, Jeep Wrangler launch, the international launch yes. was of course was in New Zealand and and some of the pictures I saw coming out of that launch it looked absolutely spectacular you know those those Jeep guys they know how to lay on a really good event mm, um, and it looked spectacular and the, the the videos of the um, on the final evening of the final wave of international um, guests of them all standing around some campfire in some glamping place in a beautiful part of New Zealand all clearly out off their faces singing together it just looked like um such a good one the one you definitely didn't want to miss and i suppose that brings us on to the other the other sort of thorny question and this is something that you guys probably get asked every bit as much as i do you're being taken on these places you there's no hiding the fact that they do spoil us wrong so does it affect first of all does it affect and steer your opinion of either the company or the car or anything that's happening during that time and secondly, is it necessary? Can we get, especially at this time when a colleague of mine today went and picked up a Volkswagen T-Roc um, to just drive for a few days in the absence of any um, launch activity that's possible because of the, the restrictions we have. Does that serve the purpose as well as being taken away to a lovely location and being put up in, in nice accommodation? So those two questions to you. Is it is it necessary and does the 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 um, top shelf treatment sway your opinion in any way? Oh, okay, well, I'll open it. I'll open because I'll, uh, on Wednesday, actually, I'm going to do a car launch, but obviously in the current environment, you can't do a car launch. Um, so basically what we're doing is rocking up to the manufacturer in question, getting thrown the keys, and you just go and drive the car for a day. Give me that any day of the week. Um, <laughs> launch activities, you know, there's been a couple over the years, but invariably, on a car launch, yes, with some exceptions, uh, you sat next to somebody, so you've got to put up with their driving, they've got to put up with your driving. Um, you don't get to drive the car long enough. You're on you know, their route, not your route. So I would happily forego the launch activities, especially locally. I mean, internationally is different because you're getting access to the car a lot earlier than you would normally. Um, but locally, like I'll, I'll drive it on my own test road any day and um, forego the, uh, the, as I said, the airs and graces is a bit of a luxury, so. The other part of it, of course, is that when you're not on these launches, I, I, I agree with you entirely from a driving and an evaluation perspective, Scotty, I think, you know, doing your own thing and being able to repeat it on the same road over and over again gives you a really good context and comparison. But the, the advantage of launches, which I personally, having cut my teeth in the journalism world being so primarily news focused is you don't get the exposure to executives and being able to sit down with them. And exactly as Andy was saying, you know, staying one drink behind them. Those yeah. are the environments where these kind of, you know, the, the tongues become a bit loose and the stories start to come out. And, and without that environment, um, you know, being able to stay out with someone for the night, you never get that opportunity. So that's the part that I would really miss from these launches. And in, in the past, accommodation has been really interesting um i was on a launch recently where we stayed in swags for a night so you couldn't get much more it was lovely of course you know they do everything to make sure you're comfortable but i, I think any journalist any motor journalist worth their salt and really is out there to do their job wouldn't give two hoots where you're going to stay yeah. uh, and the dinner you just want to drive the car and you want to see the executives and that's really what it comes down to yeah, I mean, yeah, and sometimes where they present the car um, tells you, uh, speaks volumes about what they think of the car. I remember being um, on a Saab 9.5 press launch in Switzerland and the Saab 9.5 wasn't a great handling car and that much became apparent when we saw the test route, which was 85 kilometres up a motorway, turn around and come 85 kilometres back along the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> there, there weren't any corners on it um but what you say is key you know um john Kerry said the the key to road testing is monotonous repeatability just doing the same thing again and again and again and if you're testing a car on roads that you know um you'll get more from it often than going to these places where you know you're getting into a car for the first time you're on roads you don't know you can be with somebody you don't know next to you on occasion um and it's a case of, of doing the best with what you have 
with the car that is presented in that environment. If ever then someone asks the, the question, what's the point of going to these nice hotels and lovely locations around the world? I kind of have a, a, a standard response that was actually given to me by a PI years ago. And that is, um, the, the simple answer is no. As a good journalist, you cannot, your opinion cannot be swayed by all of the tiramisu and, and um, aperitifs in the world. You're there to do a job and um, that's hopefully what we all do. The reason we go to these places, and this is as it was explained for me, was so that when you come home and you're sat at your desk, whether at work or at your home office, and you start thinking about that launch, all you have in your mind regarding everything else that isn't the car, the car was pleasant thoughts. So you imagine if they put you up in the, you know, the four star, um, whatever, murder, location motel somewhere and you know you didn't get a good night's sleep and then the flight was delayed because they were relying on you know what i mean you come home you start thinking about that car the first thing that's in your mind is negativity now you might I like have... I, I like the fact that your idea of a terrible hotel is four stars <laughs> <laughs> journal and all of us and mine just came out very much there then my champagne was warm i'm saying i'm saying that that i by and large were put up in just about the best hotel in the area so if it could if it wasn't that for once so you get home and you start thinking about and recounting the experience then you want to make sure that it's only really good thoughts are in your mind and from that point you then start writing about the car it's just about clearing any negativity before you yeah you put your your pen to paper or the electronic version of that yeah i think that's a good point in that um you i guess one thing that is important is that like you know to pull the veil down whenever we fly internationally we get flown business class and people go ooh la 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 but you couldn't you couldn't do it because i mean i'll bring up a trip later on i went to mallorca i was in mallorca for 22 hours um and I spent, I think, 34 getting there or something. If I hadn't sleep, and I don't, I'm not a good sleeper on planes anyway. So if you get there, it's like, it's, it's actually dangerous. So you're getting in a, especially say you're going to Germany to test something and you're on the Autobahn. So do you really want someone trying to evaluate a car that hasn't slept for 24 hours or has two hours sleep in the last 36? So, I mean, it sounds like, of course, I'm going to defend it because that's how we do it. And it is very nice being up the front of the plane, of course. Um, but there is a certain, that's all that's really needed, I think, for me. Yeah, if, yeah. if on a launch, I've got adequate rest, a, a decent bed and a decent share, and not a stupid time schedule that means you get six hours sleep or four hours sleep or whatever, as long as there's enough time to, so you can be calm, rested, able to focus on your job and, you know, safe. That's really, that's all that's required. Yeah, and such are the demands for writing for the web that all too often now you've got to write the thing on the way back. And, yeah. you know, you need, you need a little bit of space, you need a little bit of comfort to be able to sit there and do that. You can't, you can't prop a laptop on your lap in economy and expect to be able to write anything, can you? You'd just be... No. Oh, the other, on the um, other topic, which is probably more maybe a bigger question, Dan, is the uh, objectivity um, do, does the hotels and the you know hot and cold running champagne? For me, no. Like I don't. Like I said, I don't really care. If like we're, if we're in the best western, then great. Like whatever, and with a steak or something, um, that's fine. Um, for me, what's actually a lot harder is when you develop relationships in the industry. Um, people who are representing this car, people who are um, you know who may have developed this car, and that's harder to overcome because you know essentially they're your mates and their employment uh relies on selling this car this car being a success and if you've got to pan it then you have to like that's 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 our job and obviously if you have strong relationships they understand that that you we understand they're sort of flogging a substandard product they understand that we have to call that out but um it is tricky when you know when the inevitable question inevitable question comes up so so what do you think? Do you like it? And you're just like, 
No, <laughs> shit. So, <laughs> so for me, that's that's the to answer the question. That's a lot harder. The interpersonal relationships, rather than the, the actual, you know, the fact that we got a five course digger station dinner or whatever. Yeah, you know, sometimes people come out with stuff. You, you see it in the comments section of of the website or whatever. Like, oh, you know, you've been given a brown bag full of money to come up with that verdict, and it, it, it's nonsense. So, you know, I've been in this business for. 20 years and nobody's ever tried to do that. Nobody has ever tried to explicitly say, you know, I'm going to try and influence your opinion. What they, what they have done, and it's not so much part of the industry now as it was, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, is, is just give you little gifts on, the, on these press launches. Now, I personally didn't like it much because it felt kind of a bit like, what's going on here? But uh, yeah, you know, a few years ago, you couldn't go on a press launch without them giving you like a blooming iPod touch or a tablet or some sort of nonsense like that. I think the most extravagant one I remember was um, on the, uh, I think it was the NC Mazda MX-5 in Hawaii. And uh, that was a launch I didn't go on. But uh, when I got back and met a few of my colleagues, I was struck by the fact that they were all wearing these Omega watches. Oh, you're um, kidding. <laughs> Jeez. Again, and then that's like from, from that. Extravagant. It's it's that's all. It's actually always kind of annoyed me because, especially as media's, you know, it's no secret that media is a struggling business. Um, as we transition from our traditional print to the digital world and trying to find ways to pay for that, um, and it really actually started to irk me that you'd go say use that as an example. I mean, that was a bit pre this, but you go there and they've they've blown whatever fifty grand, sixty grand, hundred grand on yeah. watches for it number of journalists yet you can't buy you know you can't get them to buy an ad and actually support the industry so yeah. i think thankfully that's gone back now but even locally yeah. you know when you see that if ipads got thrown out or something like that it's like don't do if you want to support us you want to support the industry you don't need an ipad i've got all the toys i need you know support it doesn't have to be us it can be any outlet go and support an outlet and yeah help their financial um stability um, but ad instead, exactly. The one thing is, though, they, one little gift that I do, which is quite common, and I think is the model cars. It's always nice to have a memento, like, of the car that you've been and driven. Like, you know, is, that, is anyone really going to sit there and say a model car, like, swayed their decision on a car or something like that? But it's just nice to have, like, I've got one from the Focus RS International launch. I see it every now and then go, oh, yeah, that was cool. Didn't change what I wrote about the car, but it was a nice to have a little... Uh, <laughs> Memento. So if you really want to give, if something, giving us, give us a little, even if it's like this big, I don't care. I don't give it to, it's a one to 85 model, like just little thing could be a hot wheels or a matchbox for all I care. Um, just nice to have a little memento of what you, where you've been and what you've done. I remember going on one Audi launch and we were just coming into land in the plane and this stewardess uh, walked down the center aisle and it was handing out these, uh, these bags. And I thought, well, what is this? And um Turned out it, there was a phone in it. It's a brand new Nokia phone. Um, it was a 6630. This was back in 2004. And then it rang and, and Morpheus was on the other end of the line. <laughs> it, this phone hadn't even been launched. Um, and so when I came home, I thought, I don't need this phone. You know, I've, I've got a phone. Uh, and so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll put it on eBay, you know, because there's going <laughs> to be some city. There's going to be some city boy who will pay through the nose for this, this phone just to have it before any of his mates. The latest thing. So I sold this phone. Um, what I didn't know was that a very diligent lady at Audi called Kate um, had set up an eBay search for this phone. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yes. <laughs> she gave me the biggest roasting for like selling <laughs> the gift. Um, but I didn't care. It paid for a, a holiday to Jackson Hole for me. I <laughs> On the topic what of Audi launches, say, yeah. one, on, um, once I was uh, at an Audi event and they had these models on there. And one of the, and the model on my table was a uh, 84 Quattro, um, the rally car, like a little, you know, one like one to, what is it? One to, that's a key one to 32 or something. Nice model. And I looked at it and went, you know, I'm a massive rally fan. I was like, that's really cool. And they're like, oh, you can probably have it if you want. Like we've got, it's just a model for us. So I'm good. I put it on my spot and said, I'll come get it later. I went off way, got a drink or something. 
And I came back and it was gone. And I'm still salty about that. <laughs> it would have been really cool to have that and then someone nicked it. So, oh well. Same on the BMW, the original BMW X5 launch in, in Atlanta, um, there were some very cynical Scottish journalists there and they managed to persuade um, the young lad from Auto Express who was on his first press launch that the Art Deco lamp that was in the hotel room was the <laughs> gift. <laughs> he came walking out through reception with this lamp and we're like... <laughs> and the, the, the receptionist is like, sir, sir. And he's like, no, no it's mine, it's mine. <laughs> oh, dear. So good. Yeah, they made at least he didn't, at least he didn't request the PR pay for his um, exotic movies that he watched the night before, which has been uh, done before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're, there is some bad behaviour on some of these press launches, isn't there? Is. There? Um, should we, while we're on the subject, should we go to the best launches we've been on? Given we're talking about the periphery, why don't we get into the meat of things? Dan, why don't you start oh, us off? Oh, God, bloody hell. Uh, one of the most memorable for me would have to be, um, internationally, would be, Scotty, you were talking about launches where you're on the, the ground for a very short amount of time. This is one of those, it was uh, to Portugal for 36 hours. Um, and that didn't detract from the sheer enjoyment of this. I think I have mentioned it before in one of our previous chats, but it was the international launch of the, the Pirelli P0. So oh, not, yeah. a, not a specific car, but the beauty of that was it didn't have to be a specific car. So we turned up to, um, to uh, Estoril, uh, the Formula One track, and we were presented by a fleet of supercars, just about everything that was considered current and potent at the time. And they were all shod with Pirelli P0s, um, keys in engines running off you go that was uh that was a very good 36 hours that i'll i'll never forget and then probably locally uh, i think jeep's um 75th anniversary uh launch that was into the flinders ranges uh, in south australia um all of their special editions they made to celebrate we stay we, we ended up staying in the parachilna hotel which is absolutely middle of nowhere 150 miles uh, kilometers in one direction to the next civilization and about the same in the other um staying in sort of bush camping and uh, and eating the best bush tucker i think i've ever had um it was just spectacular andy what about you i mean i'm intrigued by this because you've got a a longer a larger catalogue of experiences than dan and myself so there must have been some good ones over the years yeah i've, I've been on a few uh, super exotic things with the likes of porsche and lamborghini um but i think my very favorite press launch was the bmw z3 m coupe um, it was down in Spain. And the reason why it was so good was because I you didn't push one the... into a lake. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did miss the plane going over there. So I arrived late and uh, yeah, they just had three or four of these M coupes that were surplus to the journalists that were parked in this car park. And like you say, the format was just like, oh, I'll just go and drive one and then come back when it's out of fuel and drive another one. So I was completely out of the, you know, herding cats thing that they do with the journalists. You have to be here at this time and then do that and then do that. And it was just fantastic. I just spent all day just beating the snot out of these um, coupes up and down the mountain roads. That reminds um, me of a story from, um, from Jesse Taylor, who works for a rival publication, but we all love Jesse. Jesse's a great bloke. Um, he's worked for Wheels and Motor. Um, so then he did that with the original Gallardo launch. What was that, 2003, I think, 2004? Um, like went to that. Spain. He was only young. He was about 25 or something. Uh, went over. They did his drive loop. Came back after a couple of hours and everyone else went to lunch. And he said, and then the guys were like, well, do you want another one? And so they just went out and again, did the drive loop again and again and again. He said he did something like 1,100 Ks in a day <laughs> in Gallardo's with Italian police looking the other way and they were just flogging the hell out of him. So, um, yeah, that was one of the, again, one of the ones I wish I'd been on. You mentioned naughty behaviour before and convincing another journalist um, that uh, the, the, the side lamp in the hotel room was a gift. That's gold. I, I don't know who it was that did it, but I remember on one particular launch, um, someone managed to convince Bruce Newton, another dear colleague and very well-liked journalist of ours, um, that uh, the 240-volt plug in an airline lounge was the universal type when it wasn't. <laughs> And he went and plugged his Aussie plug into this thing and basically shorted out the whole of the bloody lounge. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's not, that is not an example of bad behaviour in isolation. Um, 
the yes launches that haven't quite gone to plan or uh, or the or perhaps the craziest stuff that's happened on launches you must have some good uh, good offerings for those guys well i um i don't know if i've meant bad behavior i mean i've heard other stories of you know people i think that one of the, the cardinal sins is if you sit if you spin or heaven forbid crash a car but even if you spin on the track on a press launch that was that's not good they expect you to drive to you know your your talents and that's a sign you you haven't actually did that on the Toyota 86 launch. I spun off and uh, got a right <laughs> bollocking from Neil Bates. Um, I had an instructor with the car with me and everything, and he was, he was fine. Like, he was good, and I just tried to link two corners, and it didn't go well. Um, the car was fine. Just knocked the mud flap off. Little did I find out afterwards that out of sight over the hill at this track, people have been spinning off left, right, and center, unknown. But I happened to do it in front of everybody, and then, yeah, suddenly got a roasting. Um, there are a couple of stories that I don't think I've ever told, at least not publicly. Um, one of them was Audi A5 facelift at Bathurst. Pretty nondescript launch. Headed out from Bathurst on a drive loop and there was an unusual number of cars. So I was by myself, which suits me just fine, but means there wasn't anybody watching the sort of the trip, the trip computer to tell you the where to go. And they had a little thing to show you, so that was fine. But there was, they said, there's a big, big sort of depression, like a floodway in the road at this section. Um, so I said, okay, no problem. I noted it. Um, but as the, you know, despite carefully laid plans, the trip computer can sometimes go a little bit out. So it's a really good bit of road, having a bit of a crack, but a bit careful. Um, but the, it comes and goes and it was a bit of a bumpy road. So I'm like, I must've, I must've gone past it. They da 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 driving along, come around in this corner pretty, pretty quickly. It was a hundred K an hour road only to see like a, like a meter drop wash away in front of me. In this oh. A5, too late to do anything. Down, bump, up it goes. Car completely in the air. Um, all four wheels up, well off the deck. I thought I was expecting <laughs> it to like look in the rear vision mirror and see wheels and engines and gearboxes and everything. <laughs> Testament to the strength of Audi's cars that it was actually fine. I actually pulled over and a colleague followed me and said, "Are you okay?" I was like, "You won't, you won't believe just what happened." Um, I told the PR about it, but the car was apparently fine. Um, again, strong Audi cars. Uh, the other one was actually in that trip in Mallorca, which I mentioned, um, at the A35. Very narrow roads in Mallorca. Uh, I've, I've come up against some old farmer Joe in a Citroen van, you know, from the 80s. He's tickling along. So it's all good. Pull out to pass him. Very, very narrow road, but easily get past him in a car that quick. But he just either didn't see me or didn't like it. So starts coming over the centre line. And it's actually, as I've gone past him, it's folded the passenger side re re uh, mirror in. That's how close <laughs> it was. I did Nathan Pondrad next to me going, ah! At um, least shockingly loud when that happens, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, who <laughs> sort of suggested that it might be a good idea to indicate and to, or toot the horn to let him know last next time. And that's a good tip. If you toot the horn, they'll, let, they'll know you're there. Because, yeah, I, uh, bang, wing, wing, wing mirror went in, so which means we were, what, like a couple of inches away from... Scraping a brand new A35 down the side of a... I haven't told that one, so sorry, Matt and Jerry and Ryan, if you hear this. <laughs> Nothing in that. But it was okay. The car was fine. I think, got, I think one of... Go on, Dan. Go on. I've got a couple to contribute. Um, I suppose one of them it, it documents some bad behaviour and the other one is in the theme of craziest things to happen on a, on a launch that hasn't gone particularly well. I'll start with the bad behaviour one and then maybe we can do one for one, Andy. Um, this one it has sensitive content, so I won't be mentioning the name of the persons uh, or the brand involved. As much as I can say is that it was an international launch um, within the borders of North America. That is as much as I can possibly say. It had been a really good day. We'd all been out to dinner and the, uh, the brand concerned had uh, put us up for in a very nice hotel. We'd had a great dinner. Um, there'd been quite a lot of alcohol, um, myself included, uh, although I was an innocent bystander on this incident. Um, to give us, a, this is really good of the brand, they gave us sort of the, the entire, um, uh, what I call it, presidential suite on the top floor of the, the hotel as a media suite. So we could go there any time of the day or during the launch uh, and the evening for that matter, and there'd be snacks there, there'd be places you could print things. But in the evening, this presidential suite had turned into a, a, basically a house party um, and everyone was wrecked. And some of the executives had decided to come along as well, um, which was great. You know, that's completely you know, fine on a launch, you, you know, as long as everyone's having a nice time. 
what is generally advised you don't do is roll and spark up a joint in a non-smoking hotel on in the presidential suite in front of all of the executives of the brand who is hosting you um and when the pr who we were traveling with hit the absolute roof as you'd imagine the journalist in question simply flashed a medicinal certificate saying that he was allowed oh. to be in position of this because it was legal at that time uh, medicinally um, the mark. we all had to, to explain why that still was not okay oh, over yeah. to you andy um long before uh, we all used photoshop uh for some of the journalists getting a, a like an oversteer shot w was a problem because some of these old guys were pretty inept um and couldn't do it and so they had to come up with very creative ways of getting the oversteer shot and um once i was on a bmw press launch i think it was in mallorca and uh i'd gone off the the route that they prescribed and i'd seen a nice looking road uh, very very quiet and i went up I went up this road, having a good time, and I came across a journalist who's a, a very famous journalist in the UK, um, who will go unmentioned here, I won't embarrass him, <laughs> but uh, he had uh, got the bottle jack from the car, jacked the car up so it looked like it had a bit of lean on it, um, had, had the arms crossed, the oversteer face for the photographer oh, no. who had lined it all up so that the jack wasn't showing, it was behind the front wheel. Kind of no. Thing. And uh, yeah, was, was proceeding to shoot all these shots off of this heroic oversteer moment of a completely <laughs> stationary car. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I've seen a few uh, weird behaviours. I, I, like, I don't like people kind of... Um, Grouping the pro drivers. That's one thing that really gets my goat when yeah. there's a few journalists who've got a reputation for this for telling the pro drivers, you know, that they could have been a contender and that you know, <laughs> they, they weren't taking the line correctly and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't like to see that. Um, the other thing uh, that you may not realize happens, but does because I've seen it and I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it myself beforehand is people who write road tests before they've driven the car and they leave oh, come a, on yes yes i've seen this with my own eyes um they'll leave a paragraph for like make assessment um drive the car write that paragraph and send the road test away so you know they're first to to publish um that used to happen quite a lot before manufacturers got a bit smarter with embargoes but yeah that used to happen um, that's just that I mean, how can you be expected to craft a decent sort of all-encompassing comprehensive story if you just drop a chunk in the middle that's been... You can't. You can't. Oh, that really irks me. That's dreadful. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. You can't be expected to do a decent job if you are trying to cut corners and do as much as you can ahead of the launch. I just like... It, yeah, like you say, to a certain extent, Andy, embargoes and... Um, PRs are doing the right thing to try and stop that happening, but there'll always be people on launches doing the wrong thing, whether it be smoking joints in hotel rooms or, or trying to cut corners and be the first to, to, to publish. But um, I suppose I've got one more. We were, we were talking prior to, to recording this, um, and perhaps one of the subjects we could talk about is, you know, launches that haven't gone to plan. We actually talked about that road test that haven't gone to plan in a previous podcast. <clears throat> one launch that didn't go to plan, but actually ended almost with a brilliant conclusion uh, was a few years back now for the Proton Suprema S launch in Australia. The I know, what? I know, calm down, calm down. Steady, Is this one steady. of the ones we wish we'd been on? Well, it didn't turn out as bad as it sounds. Um, <clears throat> Proton Suprema S car, fairly forgettable in the actual sort of launch activities. It was only an up and back in a day launch. So I flew up to Sydney for it and was supposed to fly back to Melbourne the same day. <clears throat> but when I got to the airport, um, Sydney's typical weather had blown through uh, a massive storm and it had pushed all of the local flights back about an hour. So um, my flight, which was relatively late in the day, um, had been pushed back to the next day. Now, normally it wouldn't be a problem because you just got your overnight bag, you stay another night. <clears throat> but because this was a day launch, I had no bag. Um, and because every uh, local flight out of Sydney 
for the for about an hour had been pushed back that meant there were a lot of people looking for hotels in the sydney area to stay at night so i got on the phone to the pr and explained the situation and they were very good um prs are typically great in these situations when things don't go to plan mm -hmm. so uh they said we've we've got on the on the internet on the phone we literally cannot find a hotel room anywhere in the area because of you know the the, the map the extent of the situation so I thought, okay, that's fine. I'll just do a bit of digging myself. So I went and sat down at the end of the, the um, departures hall, got my laptop out, and there was a girl sat next to me doing exactly the same thing. And she looked at my laptop and said, oh, you're clearly trying to find somewhere to stay for the evening. She said, I just found a hotel in downtown Sydney. Um, they had two rooms left when I, when I spoke to them. They might have another. My work's paying for a cab. Why don't you just jump in with me and we'll just go and see and hopefully if you get there quick enough, don't waste time calling or whatever, they'll still have the other room. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, you bloody smirks. Bow right? tickle, wow, wow, bow it, tickle. This was is, it, is it me or does this hanky smell of ether? <laughs> <laughs> it's ladies night. <laughs> so being a complete gentleman, I said, thank you very much. And I jumped in the taxi. <laughs> anyway, she didn't drug you then. <laughs> no, there was no drugging at all necessary. I mean, at all. Um, so on the way there, polite conversation ensues, as you'd expect. I was very grateful. Um, and, I, uh, and she said, uh, oh, what, um, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a motor journalist. Uh, I've just been on a day launch of a car. Obviously, flight cancelled, the rest is history. And she was sort of wearing sort of fairly sporty gear. And I was like, oh, what, what do you do? And she said, no, I... Um, I'm Miss Universe Australia. <laughs> there you really? go. I, I, I oh, that sounds, that sounds like a win overall, Dan. I was thinking this has turned out all right so far. Yeah, sure, we'll run with this. She said, um, she said, oh, what was the car you were viewing? I was like, oh, well, this is all crashed and burned now, isn't it? Any chance of impressing is now immediately evaporated. I said it was the Proton Suprema S. <laughs> Not the Lamborghini Thrustmaster. Excellence, Sportivo. <laughs> yeah, they gave us all free Viagra. That was the gift on the yeah. <laughs> um, No, she, I told her the car in question and she paused for a moment and didn't react in the way at all that I was expecting. She said, oh, I've got one of those. <laughs> oh, so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. It was the prize for winning Miss Universe Australia. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? What was what was the second prize? Yeah. Two Proton Suprema S's. Yeah, that's right. A poke anyway, in the eye. I didn't realise, apparently, um, a colleague of ours told, told us that she was there. She'd been on the launch. They'd wheeled her out, like, last minute. Is the, you know, that was, she's the winner of Miss Australia University. She won one of these Proton Suprema S's. I said, oh, what'd you do with it? She said, I'm going to try and sell it. I've got an Audi A1. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we arrived at the hotel. Um, we both went to reception together. Lo and behold, the room was still there. Um, so I checked in um, and to say thank you so much for saving my bacon. I you snogged it. I would love to take you out for dinner. And I made the offer and she declined. And that's where the story ends. Oh, shot you down in flames. <laughs> that does remind me of a story though that I actually hadn't planned on telling, but I because I'd forgotten it until now. Um, so the first ever launch I went on to went on was kind of a test. Um, I think uh, I was sent on this launch. I was just about to, I'd sort of agreed, I think kind of in principle to start work as a motoring journalist, but hadn't actually, wasn't actually starting until the next year, still lived in Tassie. And this opportunity came up, the guy rang me and said, I can't go. Would you mind going on this kind of as a, I guess he was testing me to see how I went and it was a toe in the water for me. So I flew to Adelaide uh, for the Ford Fiesta facelift launch back in 2010. Um, now the hurdle was that, uh, I think the next day or two days later, I had my fine, um, some of my final exams from university, I was still at uni at the time, no problem over to Adelaide and back, no sweat, no big deal. It's not an opportunity you get every day, except on the way back, um, we had torrential storms, uh, in Adelaide, um, that almost curtailed the launch. It was like thunder, lightning, sheets and sheets of rain. So I get back to, uh, I get back to Melbourne. And they've closed the airport. Uh, so I can't fly home. So I thankfully had all my revision stuff with me. So I'm on the floor of Tullamarine 
down in some dingy airport, like you know, the flights to Tassie are down in the in whoop whoop. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got all my yeah, all my stuff spread out, trying to revise, hoping I can get home because next day I've got my final university exam, uh, oh. and I kind of had to pass it. But um, thankfully, it all worked out. They the storms cleared up. But um, another example of a launch that somehow went sideways and didn't exactly go how you expect um i want to say a couple of quick things um you mentioned about jeep's awesome launches earlier and i gotta say one of the best launches i've been on was a jeep wrangler because they flew us to king island and again i think that's a point you know the hotels are great we obviously the, the cars are great it's a it's a great lifestyle we're very very lucky we're very fortunate but i think the the true blessing is you get the things you don't get the things you get to do that you wouldn't normally do um, you know, I've yeah. been lucky enough to passenger with Tom Christensen, the Lamont Legend. And again, when am I ever going to go to King Island? I'm never going to go to King Island. No one ever goes to King Island. But we went there um, and we got to fang around. Again, it was a, I had a car to myself, so I hopped in with Brunelli. He jumped in, Christian Brunelli, an excellent automotive photographer who happened to have a Wrangler and had been wrecking the day before for the photography location. So we spent the day just, you know, um, chortling. Tortling, that's the word I'm looking for. Tortling <laughs> around King Island in a Jeep Wrangler. Um, you know, go anywhere. That was awesome fun. Um, and a similar thing was a Skoda Yeti. Either you got, Dan, did you go on that by any chance? Skoda Yeti in the Outback? I didn't do that launch, but I'm a huge fan of the car. Any time spent in the Yeti, I love that thing. Shame That was gone, a bit man. like, um, it was a lighter version of Andy's Hilux story. So to, um, to show how versatile and capable this car was we flew into alice springs drove along the highway out to this uh, and then out to this campsite that was out in the bush lovely where they'd set up a nice camp um so we drove out there and it was pretty rough we had these big dry riverbeds you had to cross and a bit of off-roading and stuff like that and the dry riverbeds was something like they're really deep sand so their their advice basically was just gun it otherwise you're not going to get through you're going to get stuck <laughs> So, okay, don't need to be told twice. We've women are bouncing around at 80 k's an hour and these things. Trouble is, doing that with a fleet of, say, 20 cars or whatever, chopped it up quite badly. So the next morning we get up and go to get out. And what should have been, like, I think about a 45-minute drive took over two hours because the cars get kept oh. getting stuck. Uh, so the people for the Sydney flight were really late. Um, so they had to make progress back and I was going to Melbourne. So that wasn't such a big idea, but you know, join the crew. So we uh, enjoyed some enthusiastic motoring in the Yeti on the way back to Alice Springs. And so that was, a, again, not a great car, not a particularly, particularly, particularly memorable car, but again, the circumstances that these things throw up that, you know, the places you go to, the situations that happen through any large logistical event uh, create some pretty amazing memories. And I think that's, when I, you know, when you, when we all finish this, we've been lucky enough to drive Ferraris and stuff like that. But things like that, I think, will stick with me longer. Things that, yeah, things that not everybody gets to do and moments in your life. One, I've got, I've got one final one. It, it, it combines um, press launches that went wrong with bad behaviour. Oh, um, <laughs> perfect, perfect. And it, it was a, a Lamborghini launch, and it was the Gallardo Superleggera launch that they did out in um, Scottsdale in Arizona. Oh, in case you're not aware, when they do these press launches, what they tend to do is they'll do a number of, of different groups of journalists. So they tend to start with like, maybe the biggest markets or something like that. And then a, a couple of days later, it'll be the next group, and then the next group. And, then, and it'll all go all the way down to the worst drivers, which in, which in Europe uh, tend to be Portuguese, Croatians and Greeks, I believe, who, who are always the last people on the press launch because they, they bend the cars. Anyway, we were the second group on this, on this Gallardo Superleggera launch. And as we were flying over there, um, it became clear there was a problem. And the problem was that there weren't any cars to drive because the prior group had been driving these cars so furiously that a number of vehicles pounded by the Arizona police. Um, <laughs> speeding and the the poor marketing man from Lamborghini this this fellow called Dominic um, Hoberg I believe he had to sort of go down on bended knee and, and do everything possible he, that he could to get these cars released from impound um so we turn up there and he gives us this enormous lecture don't 
speed in the vehicles. You know, please, please, please. It's causing us all sorts of trouble. Um, be sensible with the cars. The police here are hot. They've been warned. They're on the lookout for you. This is where they're going to be. And so we go on the drive. Loop that sounds like a I, challenge. No, I, 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 drove, I drove the thing. <laughs> <very careful>. <laughs> I, I, I drove it pretty carefully because I thought, I want to go on another Lamborghini Ranch. You know, this is, this is good. <laughs> um, and, we, and we'd been on a track prior in any case. So we kind of got it out of our system. Um, but a colleague of mine um, then arrived at the table where I was sitting with, with Mr. Hoberg and um, Stefan Winkleman, the CEO of Lamborghini, and proceeded to tell everyone at the table how he had V-maxed his Gallardo Superlachera on the road. Oh, and Hoberg went berserk. Um, I've never seen like a, uh, like a representative of a company angrier. Um, you know, I've seen people crash press cars and stuff like that, and I've never seen a guy this mad. He went like bright red and was spitting and wanted to actually throw this journalist off the launch there and then, like send him to the airport and, and, and send him home and like, just not ever entertain him again. And he was only wow. taught, yeah, he was only talked down from that position by the CEO of Lamborghini, um, who, who said, you know, okay, you know, let's have a bit of a, a time out here. But uh, yeah, that, that guy was absolutely spinning feathers like that. So oh, basically motoring hard. journalists are not to be trusted, uh, don't invite them anywhere. Good advice. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's safe that's advice. our message to the PRs of Australia. Um, see you never <laughs> again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got the uh, they've got the coronavirus to thank a lot for. Then, really, haven't they? Because yeah. they, they're actually not looking by us anywhere at the moment. Yeah. I totally agree with what you were saying, Scotty. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what gifts they give you, the hotels they put you up in, what restaurants, you know, degustation menus you're presented with, um, or really when it comes down to, you know, the 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 sophisticated car that you're given to drive. Really, honestly, the, the best part of these launches is getting a chance to see your friends and colleagues and, and hang out with them in, in circumstances that you would frankly pay to do and, and not many people get the opportunity to do. And, and honestly, that's why I love doing this podcast with you guys so much. So let's, um, let's make sure we keep doing it as often and frequently as we possibly can. And, uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, whichcar.com.au is, of course, the website, all our social medias you'll find there. Um, tell us if you loathe our guts after that particularly indulgent <laughs> Another thing, also, um, write in questions. Instagram, at which, at, uh, at which car, or email. Um, how do we email? What's the which car email? <laughs> I don't even know it. Um, Ask anyway, Google. Just, yeah, Ask go, go on Google or go on the website. Uh, email us, Instagram us, Facebook us, whatever. Send him some questions, even if it's, um, I hate all you guys and stop talking about yourselves. That was a, a statement. If the question was, can you please stop talking about yourselves, then we will endeavour to answer that. Oh, what are um, you, a great. journalist? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. It's always great to talk. Let's make sure we do it again soon. And thank you for listening and tuning in. Goodbye. Cheers, guys. Ciao.